Welcome, dear mamas. It's so great to have you here today. Mamas from America coming online. My name is Julene Jackson. I'm with Moms for America. We are going to be talking about our sixth cottage meeting today in the series of 12. Uh, Our lesson today is entitled The Power of Patriotism. Now, we will have a class next week, but the following week we'll take a break because it will be Thanksgiving and we'll, we'll we'll remind you of that. But um, it's so great to to have you be with us. And we just want to especially welcome our newest member, little Athena, nine days old, who is with her grandma, Gerald, who Gerald lives in uh, New Jersey and is doing great things there. What a, oh, that just, I mean, I might have to get my hanky out. Just the thought of, you know, trying any mother or grandmother that is trying when putting forth these kind of efforts, you know, the Lord sees, you know, the Lord knows the desires of our heart for a rising generation and he will magnify our efforts. So thank you for being such a beautiful visual aid, uh, Gerald, today of a grandma that is trying and, and trying to get these little kitties when they're young. It's never too late, but if we can try and, and instill in their little hearts, even even before they have a memory, they will just always know. They don't know why they were patriotic, but we know because it's the efforts that we have tried, you know, to put forth on their behalf. So I'm so glad you could join us today. Liberty begins at home, mothers. If it is important to you, it'll be important to your children and important to your husband and important to your grandchildren. And they might not just immediately go, oh, yeah, mom believes, so I believe. It might take years for them. But that's quiet example of you showing forth, uh, you know, this love of country and patriotism and the Constitution, our founding fathers, it will, it will be planted in their hearts. So just go forward in faith, even though you might not be seeing immediate results from your children or grandchildren, okay? Much of the work that we will do will be uh, uh, behind the scenes. And remember that video we saw in lesson three, the invisible monuments that no one might see in our lifetime, but God sees them and they will be manifested at some point when the time is right. So I hope that as you come to our cottage meeting each week, that you're leaving uplifted with ideas and with hope. You know, there are no easy solutions, but I hope you know that you are not alone, that there are armies of mothers and grandmothers across America who think and feel the way you do. And Moms for America, we're trying to help form these networks, these cottage meetings of mothers coming together to learn these principles of liberty and freedom to be able to, you know, to hear from one another, to share your stories, to hear other people's experiences and insights uh, with the cottage meetings or the things that they're doing in their homes or their communities. And hopefully as you come each week in the cottage meeting, you're feeling a gentle nudge from God to help you with a solution or ideas that you can do to shore up your home your family, your marriage, your neighborhood, your school, your community, because it's going to look different for each of us, what God puts in our hearts and our minds. But, you know, this whole idea of coming together as women to study, to learn is powerful. It is transformative. You've heard me say many times, my participation in cottage meetings changed me as a woman. It changed my marriage. It changed the way I I taught my children what I taught my children. And just know we have a cottage meeting online as well, Thursday evening, 7.30 Mountain Standard Time that I teach with my husband. And we have many husbands and wives come on. We have teenagers with moms. We have variations of moms and daughters. And so, you know, just think in your mind at some point, you might even start your own cottage meeting. We will be doing cottage meetings online until the Savior comes. That's what I say. But at some point you might go, I know, I know a couple ladies that we would benefit from joining together and having our own cottage meeting. Remember, we're going to release those 12 pre-recorded uh, lessons that I've been filming in Chicago. I, I filmed the last round, the 1st of January. So we're trying to make it as easy as possible to gather women in. You can push the 30 to 40 minute um, lesson, watch it. 
And then we have all the discussion questions. You can leave the discussions, even those healing of America, that 16 week seminar that maybe many of you taken that me and my husband teach on Thursday, you get those four little manuals, you get your little group together. You just go through and each paragraph you fill in the blank together. And then you stop every couple paragraphs and talk about it. That's, that's how I, uh, you know, taught those lessons. I didn't know anything about what I was teaching. And, and it's amazing you know, as you, as you gather together a group of little people, uh, the group is as a whole, you, you draw and you, and uh, you draw from each other's uh, understanding and intelligence and experiences, and you figure it out together. You know, you don't need a constitutional scholar or historian or a law degree expert to teach you these things. You know, people that are seeking the truth and ways to save their families and their country, God will allow you, will help you. You know, he rewards efforts. And so anyway, so glad to have you, though, in our virtual cottage meeting. So Viv, let's do lesson number two or uh, slide number two. The last two classes, we have discussed the pillars of liberty. They make up three pillars. Uh, The foundation of faith is a pillar. Last week, we talked about the valor of virtue, teaching virtues, getting these virtues in our children. And today we're going to talk about the power of patriotism. You know, patriotism is a matter of the heart. Uh, when, When we become infused with patriotism, when we kind of have this knowledge of who we are, of where we came from, what our roots are, what it means to be an American, and what is the dream of America all about. So I'm coming to you today. I don't have my little background of my home. I'm coming to you from Colonial Williamsburg. That is, um, Colonial Williamsburg is one of my most favorite places. I have brought all our all my three sisters from around the country, there's four sisters in my family of nine siblings have come out for this trip. It's the first time my sisters have ever been all together and I could just weep thinking about it. It's so beautiful. And and the lives of my sisters, some of them are, you know, they're not easy and there's marital struggles and children's struggles and just struggles like we all have struggles. They're just hanging in there. And we're just feeling so fortified being with each other. So I brought them down to here to Colonial Williamsburg. We're going to go to, we're going to do DC tomorrow. And we're going to take them to New York City. Gerald, I'm going to be close to you again. I'm going to take the Wicked and the Rockets, and we're just going to bond and be together. And as we were walking the little cobblestone streets of Colonial Williamsburg yesterday, and all my sisters, they just love America. It's just has rises up in us and we were thinking why do we love America so much and we you know my parents divorced after 26 years of marriage so there were struggles in my family but what my parents did do they both loved America and they spoke reverently of you know our founding our founding fathers and the freedoms that we have here and it's not like my parents even specifically taught me stories or taught me the constitution but I could just see it in the way they spoke and they're, you know, they always voted and they always took us to a uh, cottage me or not cottage meetings, took us to town hall meetings and that kind of thing. And so all of us girls subsequently love America. And it, it's been so much fun to Colonial Williamsburg is a recreation of the colonial town that George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and Patrick Henry and James Madison all walked these streets and ate in the taverns and worshipped a brute in Paris and, you know, were members of the House of Burgess and the governor's palace has been recreated on the foundation you know, as they've done archaeological digs where these buildings actually took place and Patrick Henry and Thomas Jefferson lived in these palaces and we've taken these tours and, and, you know, as, as we walk these streets and have this experience of Colonial Williamsburg and we, I've t- we've taken our kids here so many times. In fact, um, the, uh, uh, the next slide, I think I've got some pictures of uh, for years living on the East coast. Uh, the, and we'll do the next slide. Um, um, there we go. These are all, here's the house of Burgess where they, it was like the first uh, capital 
there. And you know, Colonial Williamsburg was the first capital city of Virginia, Colonial Virginia. It was the first capital before they moved it to Richmond. But Jamestown is just 10 minutes away from this Colonial Williamsburg and Yorktown is another 10 minutes on the other side. And so, you know, to me, Colonial Williamsburg, Viv, let's do another slide, is just a magical place. It infuses me every time I'm here. Okay, we'll just stay here. It infuses me with a reverence and awe for our founding fathers. Adelaide Stevenson, who was a, a vice president. Oh, I can't, I forgot to put that up. He was a vice president of one of our presidents, said true patriotism is not manifested in short frenzied bursts of emotion, but the tranquil and steady dedication of a lifetime, this feeling of patriotism, of studying, of learning, of visiting these sacred historical sites, I call them sacred to me, of volunteering, serving, improving your community, teaching the rising generation, showing up with your little grandchild in the cottage meeting. This pillar, this power of patriotism is manifested through a devotion to a cause higher than ourselves. It's not so much what we know in our mind about history, um, but it's what we understand in our heart. Uh, and, and this is what um, helps us to kind of want to live and promote this feeling of liberty. So just a few days ago, uh, last Thursday and Friday, my husband and I visited uh, a town called Montevallo, Alabama, just about a half an hour out of Birmingham, Alabama, where they have recreated Colonial Williamsburg, so to speak, and it's called the American Village. And this was our second time me and my husband uh, visited this. And they had a grand opening of Independence Hall. So what they do is they take significant uh, buildings from history around the country and they put them in this American village and they had a grand opening and the governor from Alabama was there, wonderful feisty uh, uh, um, Southern woman. I loved her and it was a, a great day and they ribbon cutting and we went through the building and, and, um, and the next day there was a family there. There's about 150 people in attendance at that uh, ribbon cutting ceremony. The next day there was a family that is from the West coast, uh, I think primarily Utah, and they're going to um, make uh, recreate and build an American village in Southern Utah by the Southern um, national parks. So they came and they had, they had a conference the next day and they invited four different high schools and classes from um, American history classes uh, of these young people to be a part of this day of, of patriotism and learning. And at one point in that second day, they had, they turned the mic over to these young people to kind of get a sense of where their heart is and what they were really le learning or what had, was in their heart. And it was fascinating to me to hear these young, not all of them, but the young, the ones that felt emboldened to stand up. And they said things like, well, you know, those are traditions of the past that, you know, older generations have, have followed, but we have new traditions and we maybe think you can learn from us and the values that we uphold, they said, some of them, several of them, and it was an hour and a half that we gave them the mic, um, said, you know, our values are uh, LGBTQ rights or Black Matter, uh, Black Lives Matter rights or pro-choice rights. And, you know, I thought it was so interesting as I heard some of these, not all of them, and I know that not all of these young people felt that way, but I thought these young people have not been taught the covenant the American covenant that those that came over uh, to America knew that they were coming at the hand of God and that God would protect them as long as they made covenants to God, like that Abrahamic covenant in the uh, Old Testament that they, you know, our early pilgrims knew that and our founders knew that they were a remnant of that house of Israel. And then as long as they uh, were true to God and God's covenant and God's law, God would place a, an umbrella of protection over this land. And I knew that these, these young people were not rooted in what this covenant was because in order to, to justify the heaven's help, we have to be obedient to God's law. And he put forth his, his law in divine law in the Bible. 
And it was so interesting to me, one of the girls that was quite vocal, I had a little conversation with her after the event and I asked her about herself and, and what she wants to do uh, with her life. And, um, and she said, yeah, you know, I had been to this American village before as a young girl at the programs, but, you know, I Googled patriotism. This is what she actually said. I Googled the word patriotism because I wanted to kind of know what we we're going to be ta talking about. And I thought to myself, that's the problem when our young people have to Google patriotism to figure out what a patriotic experience is going to look like. And so, you know, we're trying to get, to, it's not so much a matter of knowing, but it's a matter of feeling of the feeling of this land of liberty of the valiant men and women that have come before us, the blessings of being a part of this land, the spirit of gratitude that makes us want to give back an acknowledgement for all the sacrifices that have come before them to get them to what they have now. And, you know, patriotism will not be had by kids Googling it to figure out what is patriotism. So our American heritage is rich with accounts of patriots. I want to show you, and, and this is what we're going to talk about today. How do we get this feeling of patriotism deep in the hearts of our children? Uh, today, we're, we're going to talk about some of the stories of patriotism from the past and, 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 and ways in which we can teach through stories and through getting giving our kids experiences and, and through our own personal example. Until we write it in their hearts, the mechanics of the constitution and congresses and individual rights really won't matter to them. And I can feel that and see that with some of these young people that spoke at this conference that I was at last week, me and my husband. Remember, it's not what they know in their minds. It's what they have this understanding in their hearts they have. So there is a wonderful video I'm going to show you now. Um, Viv is going to cue it up. It's called The Story of the National Anthem. And it's a story that they do not teach in the schools. And I've shown this to my children for years, the story behind how the National Anthem came to be. It's an 11-minute video. You can find the link below. It'll be on our resources on our Moms for America page. But it's an incredibly moving, powerful story of how we got the National Anthem of the boys and the men and the soldiers that held that flag upright with their bodies through that fateful night as the British war fleet bombed Fort McHenry in the Baltimore Harbor all night long. Now you really might have to get, <laughs> I'm still sporting my cold, feeling so much better, but you might have to get your hankies because this is a really sweet. I have shown this video to my children through the years. So let's cue it up now and show it. And then we'll chat about it just a, a little bit afterwards. Thanks. Bill. was a lawyer once. His name was Francis Scott Key. He penned a song that I'm sure you're aware of. You've seen it. It's in most hymnals throughout our churches. It's called the National Anthem. It is our song as an American. We go, however, to a ball game. We stand in our church services and we sing the words of that song and they float over our minds and our lips and we don't even realize what we're singing. Most of us have memorized it as a child, but we've never really thought about what it means. Let me tell you a story. Francis Scott Key was a lawyer in Baltimore. The colonies were engaged in vicious conflict with the mother country, Britain. Because of this conflict and the protractedness of it, they had accumulated prisoners on both sides. The American colonies had prisoners and the British had prisoners. And the American government initiated a move. They went to the British and they said, let us negotiate for the release of these prisoners. They said, we want to send a man out to discuss this with you. They were holding the American prisoners in boats about a thousand yards offshore. And they said, we want to send a man by the name of Francis Scott Key. He will come out and negotiate to see if we can make a mutual exchange. On the appointed day in a rowboat, he went out to this boat and he negotiated with the British officials. And they reached a conclusion that men could be exchanged on a one-for-one -one basis. Francis Scott Key, jubilant with the fact that he'd been successful, went down below in the boats and what he found was a cargo hold full of humanity, men. And he said, men, I've got news for you tonight. You're free. 
He said, tonight I have negotiated successfully your return to the colonies. He said, you'll be taken out of this boat, out of this filth, out of your chains. As he went back up on board to arrange for their passage to the shore, the admiral came and he said, we have a slight problem. He said, we will still honor our commitment to release these men, but it'll be merely academic after tonight. It won't matter. And Francis Scott Key said, what do you mean? He said, well, Mr. Key, he said, tonight we have laid an ultimatum upon the colonies. Your people will either capitulate and lay down the colors of that flag that you think so much of, or you see that fort right over there, Fort Henry? He said, we're going to remove it from the face of the earth. He said, how are you going to do that? He said, if you will, scan the horizon of the sea. And as he looked, he could see hundreds of little dots. And he said, that's the entire British war fleet. He said, all of the gunpowder, all of the armament is being called upon to demolish that fort. It will be here within striking distance in a matter of about two and a half hours. He said, the war is over. These men would be free anyway. He said, you can't shell that fort. He said, that's, that's a large fort. He said, it's full of women and children. He says, it's predominantly not a military fort. He said, don't worry about it. They said, we've left them a way out. And he said, what's that? He said, do you see that flag way up on the rampart? He said, we have told them that if they will lower that flag, the shelling will stop immediately. And we'll know that they've surrendered, and you'll now be under British rule. Francis Scott Key went down below and told the men what was about to happen. And they said, how many ships? He said, hundreds. The ships got closer. Francis Scott Key went back up on top and he said, men, I'll shout down to you what's going on as we watch. As twilight began to fall and as the haze hung over the ocean as it does at sunset, suddenly the British war fleet unleashed. He says the sound was deafening. There were so many guns that there were no reliefs. He said it was absolutely impossible to talk or hear. He said suddenly the sky, although dark, was suddenly lit. And he says from down below, all he could hear the men, the prisoners, saying was, Tell us where the flag is. What have they done with the flag? Is the flag still flying over the rampart? Tell us. One hour, two hours, three hours into the shelling. Every time the bomb would explode and it would be close to the flag, they could see the flag in the illuminated red glare of that bomb. And Francis Scott Key would report down to the men below, it's still up. It's not down. The admiral came and he said, your people are insane. He said, what's the matter with them? He said, don't they understand this is an impossible situation? Francis Scott Key said, he remembered what George Washington had said. He said, the thing that sets the American Christian apart from all other people in the world is he will die on his feet before he'll live on his knees. The Admiral said, we have now instructed all of the guns to focus on the rampart to take that flag down. He said, we don't understand something. Our reconnaissance tells us that that flag has been hit directly again and again and again, and yet it's still flying. We don't understand that. But he said, now we're about to bring every gun for the next three hours to bear on that point. Francis Scott, he said the barrage was unmerciful. All that he could hear was the men down below praying. The prayer. God, keep that flag flying where we last saw it. Sunrise came. He said there was a heavy mist hanging over the land, but the rampart was tall enough 
there stood the flag, completely nondescript, in shreds. The flagpole itself was at a crazy angle, but the flag was still at the top. Francis Scott Key went aboard and immediately went into Fort Henry to see what had happened. And what he'd found had happened was that that flagpole and that flag had suffered repetitious direct hits. And when hit had fallen, but men, fathers, who knew what it meant for that flag to be on the ground, although knowing that all of the British guns were trained on it, walked over and held it up humanly until they died. Their bodies were removed and others took their place. Francis Scott Key said what held that flagpole in place at that unusual angle were patriots' bodies. He penned the song, Oh say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming or the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, gave proof through the night that the flag was still there. Oh say, does that star-spangled banner yet fly and wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave? The debt was demanded, the price it was paid. Oh, say, can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hail? At the twilight's last gleaming Whose broad stripes and bright stars Through the perilous fight O'er the ramparts we watch were so gallantly streaming and the rocket's red the bombs bursting in air gave food through the night that our flag was still there Oh say does that star spangled banner yet wave O'er the land of the free I did not know that story. The first time I saw that, I was just, 
I was so moved. It was the prayers of those men on that ship praying and the bravery of those young boys and fathers and soldiers that kept that flag upright in that unusual angle all night long. What a wonderful video to show your children and grandchildren. Tomorrow, mamas, is Veterans Day. What a great thing to gather your children around and to watch it and to talk about those fallen soldiers throughout our history. And what does that mean for us? Because they did what they did. I believe that was 1820, the war. Oh, no, no, not 1820, 1812, the war of 1812. Uh, Google that if you just need a little bit of refresher about what that conflict was with England again in 1812. You know, might that be something, you know, how I've given you an example of a little devotional text I text out tomorrow. I will send that video out and have a little uh, quote and a scripture uh, uh, saluting our veterans tomorrow. And you know what, girls, maybe none of my kids will watch that video, but they know that mother knows and reveres these things. And sometimes that's enough. And at some point they might actually click on and watch the video and maybe they won't tomorrow. But as we keep consistently showing our example of patriotism, it will make a difference in their lives. So when our children understand the stories behind the flag and what it stands for and all the lives that were sacrificed for it, it makes it easier for them to respect and honor that flag. Then let's have uh, the next slide. Uh, you've heard me talk about a, a boy. Uh, I, I, we have five kids, two little sons in the heavens, seven children, two little boys that died as babes, five very wild and alive children. One of uh, my son, Frankie, is in the NBA. He plays for the Detroit Pistons. And he has the opportunity to show the world every time uh, they play a game. The season is right in full swing now, about three times a week. He often, to be honest with you, he usually is the only player on the court with his hand over his heart. Can you guess which one my son is, Frankie? And I've heard him say, as people have questioned him sometimes about this, and these are all great boys. I love all these young men. They're just really stellar in their own right. But I've heard him say, I had a father and a grandfather and even a great grandfather who served honorably in our country's military. And I put my hand over their heart because of the sacrifices uh, that so many of them, including my own family, have made for this country. And it, is there one more slide there? I'm not sure. Um, I've heard him tell me, he said, mom, uh, he always has a new haircut about every three, four weeks. I'm like, what is his hair? So he just sent me this picture the other day because he knows it makes uh, his mama's heart happy to see him do this. But he said, the other athletes I play with, mom, I just think they haven't been taught. They just don't know deeply the stories of America. It's not that they're not good people. They just haven't learned what it really means. And it was such a reminder to me that mamas, it's up to us to teach them the why behind the flag, the why behind you know, the feeling of reverence that we give, the symbolism of the flag. But let's see the next um, slide, that even the colors of the flag are symbolic that the, the red stripes remind us of the blood that was sacrificed on our behalf and that the white stripes remind us to live a moral and upright life under a system of limited government so we can choose our own values and beliefs. And that blue background there with the white stars remind us that heaven is guiding us. God's protective hand is over us. And it is to the heavens, it is to God that we look for our, un, for our in, inalienable rights, or <laughs> that word, unalienable rights. That means God-given rights. You know, sisters, you know, why we love America, uh, as I told you, as, as, I, as I was with my sisters and I asked, why, why do you think we love America the way that we do? And our parents were perfect. And we all agreed, like I said, it was just the example. It was the way our parents talked about America. 
it was, it was, you know, the way that we celebrated the 4th of July and, and those kind of things. And so you've heard me say uh, through the years, me and my husband have tried to teach these ideas that I, this feeling that I saw from my family, from my uh, upbringing, from my home. And I will never forget about 10 years ago, I wish I had a picture of my daughter, but imagine this is my little 10 year old daughter. 10 years ago, our little Mary Alice, who now is 21 years old, she came home. It was the last day of school in fifth grade. And she was 10, maybe 11. And she was so happy to report to me. She said, mom, we were able to pledge allegiance to the flag today. She said, I raised my hand and I asked my teacher, because this is the last day of school, can we say the pledge? And the teacher allowed them because they didn't pledge in her school. So he let them stand up. And they all repeated those beautiful words, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. And she was so happy to tell me that she led the pledge because that school where we were living in Hood River, Oregon, uh, along the Columbia Gorge did not allow the children to pledge. And I had heard it was because there were people that were offended at the mention of God. And I almost wish I knew then what I knew now that I should have gone into that school and advocated or had the courage to question the school back then. I, I missed an opportunity, mamas, and sometimes we miss opportunities and we learn, we feel badly when we miss. I, I missed an opportunity last week to say something and I didn't. And it still makes me, makes me sad that we're just going to have the courage when the opportunities arise, we just have to say something in these, uh, you know, in this day and age, because we don't say something, no one will. And so, you know, because we had tried to teach our children in, in our home to love America, this little girl, 11 years ago, wanted to pledge. And now, Viv, let's have the next slide. 11 years later, our beautiful Mary Alice is 21 years old. And she's soon to graduate from college. And she told me the other day, she said, mom, I, she goes to a campus. There's 33,000 people at this uh, university she goes to. And she said, I swear, I'm the only one that doesn't wear a mask <laughs> and it's not required with all these kids. And she said, even on the backs of their computers, they will have stickers saying they're vaccinated. And she said, I will sit in these classes and I, you know, I love freedom too much not to, you know, take this breath of life that comes from God. And she now has the courage to stand alone on her campus and to do these things when, uh, you know, when she feels her liberties are, are uh, being impeded or, you know, something is not right. She just quietly, she's so cute. She doesn't make a, a a big deal about it, but she holds her head high and carries herself and walks. And, and she says that breath of life, I need that breath of life, mama. It's my God given right and freedom. And so, you know, I think one of the easiest things that we can do is to have a flag in our house on the outside of our house or inside. So you've heard me say general Flynn uh, recently, we did a little event with him, moms for America. And he said, Mothers, we need to have flags and we need to pledge them often in our homes. And so when he said that, it just penetrated my heart. And so uh, with our little family devotional this year, I started, I, I took a little nail and I nailed it into the door. We have an old house into our kitchen. And every morning, is there one more slide, Viv? My little girl, we, before we, she eats her little breakfast, we pledge allegiance to the flag. And she's 14 years old. Each morning we pledge. My one sister got up yesterday morning and she was a part of, um, is there one more slide? She was a part of our devotional. Okay, maybe not, sorry. And um, my sister said, my, your daughter, she's 14 years old and I, she didn't roll her eyes or anything. And I said, well, as long as I consistently say, this is what we're gonna do and it's not hit or miss, but I'm consistent about it. The kids just get in line and they just do it. And so mama is the key. You are the key grandma and mother of doing these things and being consistent. And ultimately the spirit works on their little heart. And I don't even have to tell her. She just stands up. She just says the pledge. She says a little prayer on her oatmeal or smoothie. And then I, I teach her, you know, various things. And, 
And maybe next week I'll show you what is included in that little devotional as she sits at the, the kitchen counter. So in Joshua, let's have that slide now in Joshua. In the scriptures, in the Old Testament, uh, chapter 4, verses 4 through 9 and 21 through 24, that story tells us about the children of Israel placing 12 stones as a monument to commemorate when they crossed the river Jordan with the Ark of the Covenant. And God told them that when their children through the years would ask them what this stone monument meant, God told them to remind and to teach their children and their posterity that it was the hand of God that saw them through, that he is mighty and we should look to him. That is what that monument uh, symbolized. And as I consider the American flag, it's like our memorial of, of like a waving monument to all those brave patriots and warriors and oh, really a, a, a memorial to our God for the deliverance and the establishment of this choice land of opportunity and freedom. So, you know, the question could be, how can we liken that scripture in Joshua with the monument of stone and the hand of God? to our flag and other symbols of freedom that we have? And how can we teach our children what, what the symbolism is behind these uh, symbols of freedom? So um, Viv, let's do the next slide. George William Custis, who was an American writer and orator in the 1800s, he was well respected and known for his high morals. He said, a man's country is not a certain area of land or mountains or rivers or woods but it is a principle and patriotism is loyalty to that principle. That is what patriotism is, is the sense of feeling of, uh, of the principle upon which our country was founded. And so, you know, I think that's one of the reasons that let's do the next slide, why I like to talk about the 5,000 year leap, those principles upon which this nation was founded. Principle nine and 10 of the 5,000 year leap, principle nine, talks about our relationship between obedience to God's laws and his promise, his covenant to protect us. And principle nine says to protect man's rights, these God-given rights that God gave us, God has revealed certain principles of divine law. And so, you know, I teach my kids each morning, you know, I try and teach one principle a week to the kids I have uh, for years in my home that, that divine law is biblical law. You find it in the Bible. And when we're obedient to the principles in the Bible, it not only ensures that we'll be able to maintain the rights that God gave us, but that we'll have a maximum amount of freedom and happiness because the God, our creator, he created his children, knows what's best for us, knows how we will have a maximum quality of life and we'll do certain things. So imagine it, an interesting discussion that um, you could have with your children about, well, what does it look like as a patriot to uphold God's law so we can uphold and maintain our rights in this country upon which was founded upon God's law? And what does public morality look like? Adhering to the rules and the laws that have been put, put forth by, you know, the local and state ordinances and enforced by police and government. You know, when, when those young people in Alabama a few days ago said, well, we, ha we have new traditions and we have uh, new values and it's important to us, uh, you know, maybe you can learn from us. And I thought what they're missing is they don't understand these new traditions and values are based on God's law. And, you know, that's why we've been as successful as we have, because we have been one nation under God. And when we begin to uphold law that is not under God's law, then we have no promise from the heavens. And so how can we encourage our legislators to sponsor good moral laws if we as a nation, as citizens, aren't upholding godly law ourselves? If we're not in God's law, if we're not in scripture. So principle 10 here tells us in the 5,000 year leap that the God-given right to govern is vested in the sovereign authority. Sovereign authority means the ultimate power, the ultimate power, um, the absolute power is retained in us, the people, the whole people. And so it's our responsibility to perpetuate these principles, a government, 
of the people by the people. So the question we could discuss would be, well, what is our duty as a, a patriot to ensure that our governments rule by the consent of the governed, by the voice of the people, the divine right of the people, according to God's law as contained in divine law, which is the Bible. And uh, you mamas and grandmas are such good examples of, of what we're doing to ensure that, you know, our voice is heard as you're involved in the school boards and testifying and and, and volunteering in the classrooms and making changes in your home to teach your children to pray and, and, and by your examples, attending cottage meetings, you know, you probably talk about these cottage meetings you attend, you talk about them with the people that you love. This is an example of rising up and letting your voice be heard as you learn and then share with others what you're learning. And so um, Viv, let's see that next slide. So this is why I teach these principles because patriotism comes from a reverence of the principle, not just, oh, I live in the mountains. I love the mountains, therefore I'm patriotic. You know, it's, it's the principles. And so, you know, it's, uh, this week, little Marie has been um, studying principle number eight. So every day she reads principle number eight about how all men are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. And I told her that story that I told you last week about just because governments might make laws that are contrary to God's law doesn't mean that it's right. And we talked about that Supreme Court decision all those years ago to legalize abortion and how offensive that is to our creator to kill his creations. And I told her that story about um, uh, uh, the abortion of the of my friend who who was a nurse and was giving a sonogram to a little mama that was coming in to get an abortion. And, and she said, do you want to hold the hand of your baby? And, and so the little mama put her hand on her belly and right on the sonogram, that little child moved its little hand up to that belly. And as I told that story to my little girl, she got her little napkin that I had set out for breakfast and she wiped her little eye. And she was so touched and I could tell that story went right to her heart and she understood the power of, of upholding godly law so we can be blessed. And there is ungodly law and we have to have our voices be heard so our legislators will know that's not acceptable to us to base this nation on ungodly law. And so this is why this is me in the morning after she we review principle, then I hold up the Washington Post and I go through the headlines because I want the kids to see if we are following these principles locally and nationally. I want the kids to, to have an, a practical application or to see a misapplication of the principles that I'm trying to, to teach them. And so um, one of the best ways, Viv, let's do the next slide, to instill principles of patriotism in the hearts of our children is to tell them the stories of the great patriots. And you know, I'm a fan of this promises of the constitution. Vignette 3.1 talks about Samuel Adams, the great father of the American revolution and the life of courage and the love of this country that he had. Vignette 3.3 talks about the, the colonists and their bravery and even the children as they defended their homes during the revolutionary war. And vignettes 3.6, 3.8, 3.10 talk about the men of faith and freedom, those founding fathers. And so you could just read, it's just a little page and a half vignette uh, once a day. And then there's, um, and then you could have a discussion about uh, some of these great patriots. And then uh, vignettes 3.11 talks about the courage of the signers. I mean, really those men signed a suicide pact, essentially knowing that, if they lost this war, they would be killed. They were laying on the line, their lives, their fortunes, their sacred honors, and what that looks like to lay, to lay some of our life on the line for this country. And then there's a darling story of Vignette 312 about a grandfather and his grandson, and he helped him. He was a bell keeper, and he rang the Liberty Bell when um, the declaration was signed, and, and how cute that grandfather mentor that little grandson there. Another way to instill principles of patriotism into the hearts of our children is to visit these sites, these monuments, these memorials, these historic sites. What are some of the sites that you have taken your kids to recently 
just a couple weeks ago for Labor Day, we took an hour drive away from Washington, D.C. to Gettysburg. Um, and it was so wonderful. Uh, my last two children and then my married girl, Kayla, and her husband, uh, we went and spent the day in Gettysburg. And, you know, we were reminded because we forget what happened in Gettysburg. It was the turning point of the Civil War. It was one of the bloodiest battles of the war. It was uh, the inspiration that Abraham Lincoln had to just a few months later in November. So the war that the, the Gettysburg battle took place in July of 1863. And in November of 1863, Lincoln would be back at Gettysburg. And he would deliver that famous Gettysburg Address, even though it's a short little, you know, it's just a couple minutes, 271 words. But how that speech has lived in infamy in the hearts. Uh, uh, can you hear the vacuum in the background? Sorry, the maid is in the next room <laughs> cleaning the room. But um, anyways, I love, you know, how he says four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth into this continent a new nation conceived in liberty dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. And so we spent the day up there at Gettysburg visiting these sites. They have a beautiful visitor center. Put this on your bucket list, mamas. Is there another slide uh, Viv, of, of this? As we, as me and the kids and my husband, we talked about the sacrifice of what it took that brought their overlooks, the battlefield of what it took for Lincoln to keep the union together the fortitude, the courage to, to keep, stay the course, even when it looked like it was going to fail miserably. And what a, a great way to teach our children that we do hard things when the country doesn't look like it's going so well or things in their life aren't going so well. We stay the course, we turn to God. This is the roots that we come from, these great founding fathers and mothers that did this. This is why it's so important to teach them history because it will give them the tools to get through their hard things and to give them the courage to stand up for freedom when they're walking the campus of college or they're in the classroom and an untruth is being spoken. So in the supplemental material, Mama's in our uh, green book, the cottage meeting resource, I would show you, oh, and this is more uh, pictures. Uh, oh, oh yeah, um, just a minute, we'll show that bit. There's a, a story called A Place Called Liberty. And I would show you my green cottage meeting, but I'm using that to prop up my computer right now in the hotel room. But in the, in the supplemental material for lesson six, uh, our president, Kimberly Fletcher of Monster America, tells the story that she was driving through Ohio uh, several years ago with a friend and they drove through a town called Liberty. And she remembers thinking, wow, what it would it be like to live in a town called Liberty? And her mind kind of raced with the possibilities of, of that. And while she was driving with her friend, her friend said, how did your kids become so patriotic? And Kimberly said, when she thought about it, it's kind of like when your kids grow and you get tall, they get tall. It just kind of happens gradually. You know, it, it was clear to her friend that Kimberly's children had a deep love for America because just, you know, they would just automatically stand when the national anthem was played or they take their hats off when the flag went by or they thank servicemen when they would see them out and about. And Kimberly said, well, how did they become that way? It's not in their genes, she said. It's patriotism is not hereditary. It is something, it's not necessarily, you're not born with it. It's something that you have to develop within them over time through experience. So when her friend asked her, well, how do you develop this deep love and devotion uh, for this country within them? She said, I told her the simple truth. I just share with my children the story of America. And then in this article, in the supplemental material, she talks about when she took her kids to Washington, D.C. Uh, on a trip to Arlington Cemetery and to the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. Okay, we'll take that um, slide now. And even though some of the kids were really small at the time, they instinctively knew that they, they were at someplace special because of the stories that they had told in their homes back in Ohio. And months before this trip, they, she had taught to them and read to them stories. And her husband, who serves in the military, uh, you know, told stories of serving in battle and, and uh, you know, how it takes work to remain free. So by the time those kids got to that Arlington Cemetery, you know, they knew that they were there, 
that it was special because mom and dad had reinforced that love of, of this spot through stories leading up to there. So mamas, we love America because probably our parents shared with us something, some kind of example, shared the story of America and our children will love America because we share the stories with them. So Kimberly would go on to reflect as, you know, she's kind of tried to tender, uh, tenderly nurture this love of America and her children that as she reflected, it's, it's because she made an important discovery. She said that, that uh, there is a place called Liberty and that place is there in, in the hearts, the hearts of the children, the hearts of the parents. So I love the great story uh, in our supplemental material as well. This is our last little story of Abigail Adams the great wife of John Adams and the impact she had on her children. There's a article in lesson four or lesson six called a mother Patriot. There's Abigail with her son, uh, John Quincy, who would go on to become the sixth president. So her pres her husband was the second president and she would actually raise up a president. And um, he says in his little writing, John Quincy Adams, he said, during the Revolutionary War, uh, 1775, when her, their dad was away so much doing the work of this country, this you know the colonies, and and um, as the war was breaking out, it was Mama and the children that were left at home. And he said, "We wondered if we might be butchered in cold blood every hour of the night and day. Literally, we just felt like we were going to have to give it our all for our country." And during that time in 1775, many of the women of the Revolutionary War were Quakers or Christian women who were adamantly opposed to war, yet they supported the battle because they deeply believed in the dream of America. And John Quincy Adams spoke of his mother's influence. He said she was the daughter of a Christian clergyman and therefore bred in the faith of a deliberate detestation of war. Yet in that same spring and summer of 1775, she taught me daily to repeat after the Lord's Prayer and before I rose out of bed each morning, the Ode of Collins on the Patriot Warriors. It's an ode to liberty uh, that a man by the name of Collins wrote in the 1700s. And it's a pretty lengthy, you know, poem. And she made the children repeat the, you know, the Patriot Warriors prayer before they would get out of bed, John Quincy Adams said. So Abigail instilled a love of God and country in her children as she courageously stood against the evils of the day and supported their father all throughout his long life of public service. She frequently, when he was young, would open her home as headquarters to the Minutemen in that Boston area. And young John Quincy writes, that he'll never forget going into the kitchen and seeing all their pewter spoons that they had in the kitchen being um, melted down. Mother allowed all the, the Minutemen that were in her home to melt down their spoons into bullets for the use of the troops. And he said, do you wonder that a boy of seven years of age who witnessed this scene should become a patriot? He said, let's see the next slide, Viv. Oh, okay. So there's the melting down <laughs> of the spoons. So this is where patriotism comes from. It comes from these children seeing these acts of patriotism on the home front of a mama decorating for the 4th of July, of uh, taking her children to vote, of a grandmother with her little hand over her heart when your grandchildren are, are you know, at events and they look to you and they see that just naturally your hand goes to your heart or a father carefully folding the flag or a grandpa reverently talking about his military service. Children feel it. They see it. And when we share with them why we do what we do, why we feel what we do about the American dream, we will help to secure liberty because our children will know what it means to be an American and American and they will love her the way we love her. When the heart knows, when the heart knows, the heart yearns to do. Mama is truly the greatest acts of patriotism a mother or grandmother will do will be within the four walls of her home. So think, 
think back, this would be an opportunity to discuss in a cottage meeting. You could put it in the chat. What were some of the patriotic acts that you saw your mother, your grandmother do that increased your love for this country? You know, really, mamas, one of the best things we could do is just put down the things that distract us and take the time to look our children and our grandchildren in the eye and tell them a story from our heart about why we love America. You know, you can't always trust modern history books or modern history shows because, you know, they don't teach what was so obvious 100 years ago to some of our earlier writers that this form of government we have is the best that the world has ever seen. And that a, a morally strong and virtuous or religious people will, only that kind of people will be able to hold on to this rare gift of freedom. George Washington certainly understood that when he called religion and morality indispensable supports that we needed to, to be this kind of people to maintain this country they gave us. And that, that our founders and those early citizens of our country knew that this country was raised up by the divine hand of providence and that we look to him. Our rights come from him. Freedom comes from him. So what a, um, Viv, let's see that next slide. As we're getting ready now, we have, what, about two and a half weeks before Thanksgiving. This would be a great time to show Monumental, the video about um, uh, the founding fathers with Kirk Cameron and the pilgrims and them coming over. And they knew that they were a covenant people and they looked to God. And um, Viv, let's uh, show uh, another little slide. There's, there's great little books I've collected um, some of the little books in my home, something tragic happened a few years ago when I moved, I, someone threw away all my Thanksgiving books. So I bought some more Thanksgiving books, but this heart full of Thanksgiving book that you see on the screen, I have it here. It's brand new. It came out and a woman gave me, she, she wrote this book and another book entitled humble origins of the hand of Providence. I would really recommend it. She's taken the lives of 12 people during the um, pilgrim time. Some of them were Indian. Some came over on the boats and she, and each page is dedicated to their life and a virtue that was within them. And then she has a scripture and then she has a question for discussion. And this, I would recommend getting this for your, I love America library at profoundpromises.com profound promises.com and we will put this on the resources under lesson number six but this heart full of thanksgiving um, is a sweet little book about the early people and, and some of the lives of those individuals and how god helped them to form this new nation and how they sacrificed to establish the colonies of jamestown and plymouth and so leading up to thanksgiving this would be a great book to to get and even the other book um, and so, you know, once again, when I recommend books, I'm, uh, no one is making any money off these books. These are just books that I have come my way that I think are good. And I, I use them in my home and just recommendations uh, of, um, of, to kind of help instill this feeling of these men and women that came before us, you know, and how they were led by God. These are the principles and pillars that our republic rests on, mamas, that secure our liberty and flames the fire of faith and character and patriotism as we tell these stories of people that have come before them. You know, I really do. We want our children and our grandchildren, every time they look at the flag, to be reminded of what it stands for, this foundation of faith and virtue uh, that, that this nation was formed on. And I think that's why, you know, the writers of yesterday were so anxious to instill these principles in the hearts of this generation. And they filled their, the stories, these stories of days gone by uh, with, with morality and with God and, and these reminders. And we don't get that so much with modern day books, you know. It's interesting, um, and we'll, we'll do our last slide, Viv. Um, even Joseph Stalin, that Marxist leader of the Soviet Union, recognized the secret of America's strength. He said, America's like a healthy body, and its resistance is threefold. It's patriotism, it's morality, 
and it's spiritualism, it's spiritual lives. Stalin did get something right there. It's our faith, it's our virtue, it's our patriotism. These are the pillars that ensure our nation's health and well-being. So you'd ask yourself, well, how healthy am I? How healthy are my children and my grandchildren? So mamas and grandmas of America, we're calling upon you to rebuild these pillars, to shore them up on the home front where you can have heart to heart discussions and, and tell the stories and, and take your children and your grandchildren, not to Disneyland, but you know, to, to Gettysburg or to you know, Washington DC or Colonial Williamsburg, give your children and your posterity, a reason to love this land of liberty every single day. Send them that video link tomorrow, your grown children, or watch it with your children in the home. Let them feel, have a heart experience, and then discuss, you know, those young boys, those bodies who held that flag up. And what does it look like to hold the flag up today in their lives as they walk the halls of high school or go out in the world? So my dear mamas, we've done it again. Let's just be reminded that the greatest acts of patriotism we will perform will be within the four walls of our home because you shape and you mold the destiny of a nation as you shape and mold the character of your children, of your grandchildren, as you foster their faith and you form this love of freedom in their hearts. God bless you, mamas, as you do so. Thank you so much for being here with our lesson today. We'll have our lesson number seven. What is our lesson? I think it's America Tell the Story next week. It's a great lesson. And then we'll take a break. 